today let's talk about how to win over doubt. How to win over doubt. So, we have to deconstruct doubt. We have to deconstruct doubt and profile it thoroughly. Okay? Let's put doubt on the, the table and study it. What is doubt? What does it do to me? How does it rob me and what I want to be? The opposite of doubt is assurance. The opposite of doubt is what? Assurance. Okay? The opposite of doubt is assurance. And listen to me. Both doubt and assurance are active. Are you with me? Both doubt and assurance are both active. You do this. You doubt or you are assured, right? You fill yourself with assurance. It's an active, it's a choice you make. Now, I want to really nail something so we understand this. Faith is the action I take, step, action, actual action, move. Faith is the action I take based on an assurance I have. Got that? Faith is the action based on that assurance. So you can doubt or you can be assured. Both are in the heart, in the mind. You have doubt or you have assurance. If your heart is full of assurance, you can take a step of faith, an action of faith, and you can act on what you're assured of. If you have doubt, you won't take a step of faith or you'll step in the direction of what is away from that risk. Are you with me so far? Okay, so what is faith? Faith is action. Faith is not a sentiment. I don't feel faith. I don't think faith. I do faith. Faith is something I do. It's an action. But I can only do that if I'm absolutely assured that if I walk into thin air, I'm going to be able to walk on air. I'm not sure about that. I've seen it not work before. I know how much I weigh. I therefore don't take that action. Okay? But if I was assured that the next step was a solid step, I would take that action clearly. The action is faith. The sentiment is assurance. When my heart is assured, then I take a doubt. D then I take a step. Doubt cripples me. Doubt just, let's, let's study doubt. Doubt is ridiculous. Doubt is a crippler. It cripples your biggest dreams. The wonderful dreams you dreamt at five, at seven years of age, at 12, you were going to be Superman. You were going to be a pilot. You were going to be president, uh, mommy and daddy, aunties would come and ask you, but what do you want to be when you grow up? I would say big, but, and I've achieved that, but you would say some beautiful, amazing thing. Today, you're just looking for admission. Okay, why? What happened in the middle? When did doubt cripple your dreams? Doubt cripples obedience. Doubt cripples obedience. You want to take a big step. God gives you a big command. God says do this. God says go there. And you are crippled because you can't trust God with the outcomes. The, the, what, what's going to happen beyond that. Doubt is a thief. Doubt is a thief. It robs you of meaningful relationships. I can't trust. I can't trust. I can't trust. I can't trust. So you don't open up. You don't share. You don't tell. You don't think. You, you, you guard your words. You guard your sentiments. You guard your outcomes. You are constantly on guard with the most loving people in your family. With the most loving people in your family. You say to me, no, but, but you don't know them. They're not trustworthy. Yeah, neither are you. Because the one who can't trust is the one who can't be Trust it. Wonder where they learned it from. Right? 
Doubt is an excuse. It's an excuse in not being able to place my faith in Christ. You don't, you don't doubt, you, you don't trust that Christ is saying who he said he is. Christ wants to give you what he wants to give you. Christ has a plan for your life. You're not able to trust him. You're not able to free fall into his hands and take that big leap of faith and say from now on till death do us apart. Christ, you are my Lord and all. The world behind me, the cross before me, no, none go with me. Still I will follow. You're not able to make that big decision. Sunday after Sunday, you remain a Sunday Christian, but you never become a heaven Christian, a citizen of heaven because of doubt. Because of doubt. You're trying to work out, but I have questions about my faith. But I have questions about this, and I have questions about that. Sure. Doubt is a procrastinator. I'm not sure about that right now. Let's talk about it tomorrow. I'm not sure about it. Maybe next week. Doubt is a procrastinator. Doubt exposes you, like I said. If you are... If you cannot trust, you probably cannot be trusted. Doubt is a monster. Doubt is a monster. It induces fear and then it magnifies fear. Exam was only this much, but it makes it that big. Every fear which is actually only this much becomes much bigger as you dwell on, as you meditate on, as you focus on, as you chew on doubt. Doubt is a monster. Doubt is a distractor. You can't focus. You're double-minded. Doubt, doubt thrives on ignorance. Assurance thrives on knowledge. Write it down. Doubt thrives on ignorance. Ignorant people doubt when you have information, when you have assurance, when you have a promise, when you have a word, you are able to hold on to that. You have something to act on. Doubt thrives on ignorance. The more ignorant you are about God, his word, his promises, his plans, the more you will doubt. Assurance thrives on knowledge. Doubt shackles. Truth sets free. Doubt shackles. Truth sets free. When you're done writing, let's look at the definition of the Bible on faith. The Bible, biblical definition of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and 2 says this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love that verse. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God by faith has given you something tangible in hand for the intangible in his hand. God by faith has given you something tangible in your hand for the intangible that is in his hand. He is sure of something. He wants you to be sure of something. When I was a little boy uh, in near Khan Market, there's a place called Bible Bhavan. I grew up there. I, I was there from the age of zero to about or maybe 10 months to about 10 years of age. And I did everything. I learned everything there. I learned to ride a bike. I learned to fall. I learned to get up. I learned to, uh, I learned, uh, to fly a kite. And when I was about eight or nine years old, I would, f you know, go up to the thing, especially August, around August, because you have to fly kites because we're independent. So I went up and I flew a kite. And at some point, I can't fly a kite to save my life. Let me just tell you that. But at some point, some wind in my favor took my kite very far away. And it just, it just, it went all the way out beyond the clouds. And I was just releasing it like, I was like Superman. I was just releasing it. Okay. And as I released it, it went beyond the clouds and now I... I couldn't see it, but I felt the tug that I still had the kite. And then suddenly, 
I saw my string just fall to the ground. And somebody from Rajendra Nagar had cut my kite. My, my kite. And then I got my string back without the kite. I no longer had the kite. But as long as I felt the tug, I knew I had the kite. And even if the kite goes out of vision, out of your view, you know faith is that. Faith is an action you're able to take based on assurance you have that God has evidenced. God has evidenced what you have not seen. He puts what, he, what you have not seen in your heart first. He puts what you have not yet seen in your heart first. We call that vision. We call that faith vision. You are able to see something before you see it. You're able to see it in your head, in your heart, before it comes into reality. And the greatest things that have ever been done on the earth, the greatest movements and revolutions that have ever been led, the movements that have ever made good for humanity, the greatest inventions, the greatest uh, emancipations that have ever happened, liberations that have happened, somebody believed, somebody saw, somebody had a dream, and somebody went for it. It all began and ended with faith. Don't you dare listen to people who say, oh, faith is for the weak. The, the ones who are strong, the ones who strategize, the ones who calculate, the ones who uh, have strength and they get the job done. For everybody else, faith. Let them start. No, no, no. Faith is where it begins and ends. But doubt shackles. Truth sets free. Don't focus on doubt. Focus on assurance. Whenever you have doubt, ask the question, what am I not sure about? And go looking for that assurance. Are you with me? Don't cripple yourself and judge yourself for doubting. Ask yourself, if I am doubting, what am I not sure about? And then go looking for assurance. Because God is the God of assurance. Blessed assurance. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes. Yeah, good. I thought you went to sleep. So go after truth. No truth. Live by truth. When you have that, then your heart is filled with assurance. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. No full assurance, you're not going to have a true heart. No true heart, you're not going to draw near. Is there any reason why people are running from God instead of running to God? They're not sure. They're not sure. Okay. So truth is something you've got to get your hands around. You've got to get... A hold of truth. God's truth is a person. God's truth is a person. Write it down. That's why truth is not an Excel sheet. Truth is not 16 GB of data. Truth is not uh, a document or information or online whatever. Truth is a person. God has put a per truth in a person and therefore truth can become relational. Truth is, a, is, is available to you in a relationship rather than in a research. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. He didn't say, I have the way, I have the truth, I have the life. Then you could debate Jesus. But he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So now you have to have a relationship with Jesus to go anywhere he would lead you. God's truth is a person. God's truth is settled in heaven. God's truth is settled in heaven, so it is permanent. What has been true is true and what is true will always remain true. If it wasn't true and then it became untrue, 
or if it wasn't true and then it became true, it changed, it is therefore not the truth. You can't build your life on it. Yesterday, one bank is okay, today it's closed. Yesterday, one government is okay, today it's closed. These are earthly realities, so the Bible says your truth is settled in heaven. What does that mean? It's eternal. It's outside of time and space. It's out of, outside of change, outside of inconsistency. It is settled in heaven. And therefore, I can live my life on God's truth, knowing that it is settled once and for all. God's truth is revealed. Hallelujah. Because if it is revealed, it is not got by research. You don't get truth by research. You don't get truth by reason. You get truth by revelation. God reveals it. You didn't know he loved you until he told you. You didn't know they loved you until they told you. You didn't know they, they were fans of you until they told you. You didn't know God loved you until he told you. Revelation. So it is accessible because it is revealed to you. It's not only for the intelligent. It's not only for the rich and powerful. It is for absolutely everybody. God's truth also comes knocking at your door. God's truth comes knocking at your door. You cannot find it. You're blind maybe, you're weak maybe, you're sick maybe, you're hurting maybe, you're small maybe, you're old maybe. Truth comes knocking at your door because God wants you to know the truth. When you know the truth, you are assured. When you're assured, you can take actions of faith and faith pleases God and God answers prayer and God walks with those who are faithful. So God wants you to be full of assurance. So he comes knocking at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone answers, I will come in and dwell with him. The truth. I will come in and dwell with him. So, if you're going to act on assurance, you need to find the truth that dispels doubt. God knows this. He knows you need this. Therefore, he has packed this beautiful word with absolutely every area of your life covered with truth. Every area of your life. From from cover to cover, he has truth, truth, truth right throughout so that there's no area of your life where you don't have assurance. See, this is not a religion. A religion is finding steps to go by. But Christian, Christ, Christ, Christ in you is a hand to hold. It's a lamp to your feet. It's a saying, I'm coming with you. I'm leading you. Come with me. I know where I'm going, I'm taking you with me. What you need to do is let me decide the direction and the momentum of your life. So for you, everything is available right here. We go after truth. Let me give you some examples before we close. Examples of how God's word, as you read it on a daily basis, speaks to the different areas of your life where you have doubt. Where you have doubt. You have doubt in one area. You have doubt in another area. You have doubt in another area. The Bible covers it all. Because God loves you. Enough to want to give you the assurance. Let's, let's dive in. God's word dispels fear. God's truth dispels fear. And fear is the root of all doubts. You don't doubt because you don't have all the information. <laughs> Come on, seriously. You don't doubt because you haven't figured the whole thing out. You doubt because you're fearful. You doubt because you fear you can't trust certain people. You can't depend on certain people. And you know people are weak, fickle, and inconsistent around you. And therefore you fear. God knows this. God knows this. Therefore he speaks to that fear. Fear is the root of our doubts. Look at what Psalm 118 says. 
in verse 6 and 7. Oh, I like this. Let me, let me see this. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What will I not fear? What man can do to me? What man can do to me? The Lord is on my side. Remember, truth is a person. So it is relational. And he's right there. So the psalmist is able to say, because the Lord is on my side, I don't have to fear man. So the fear of God dispels the fear of man. Most of your doubts is because you fear people. No, I don't mean in a, oh, they'll beat me up kind of way. I mean, you fear their inconsistencies. They can't keep their word. They can't follow through on their promises. They are easily distracted. There are too many influences in their life. So you can't build your life on other people. True, absolutely true. But then when God is with me, I don't have the fear of man because even when man lets me down, God will see me through. I have a backup for the people who let me down in my life. Are you getting this? I have a backup for the love that has failed in my life. I have a backup for the resources that are failed in my life, for the purposes. I have a backup. As long as he is with me, I will not fear. So the fear of God knocks out the fear of man. God's truth dispels anxiety. Oh boy, anxiety. That's the one that gives you ulcers. That's the one that makes you go running to the restroom 10 times a day. That's the one that makes you curse and swear even at your most loved people in the family. It's anxiety. 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 Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Anxiety is worry on full flame. Anxiety. God's truth dispels our anxiety. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 27. One of my favorite verses of scripture. Just 3, 4 and 5. Though any army encamp against me, my heart, circle that, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Circle, my heart shall not fear. And circle, I will be confident. That's the arrogant, cocky strength of one who has placed his faith and trust in God. Yet I will be confident. Now let's watch this. Are you ready for this? Verse 5. For, this is what he's going to do once I place my faith in him. For he will hide me. Circle hide. He will hide me in his what? Shelter. Hmm. Kind of like, uh, it's a help, but it's not permanent, you know. Shelter is what we've given these people because they have been burnt out of house and home, right? So we've given them shelter. Okay. Uh, he hides me in his shelter in the day of trouble. So he gives me immediate but temporary help. Then he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. That's his dwelling. So he gives me his shelter. He gives me his tent. But he will conceal. So you've got hide. Then you've got conceal. Then he says he will lift me up high. He will lift me high upon a rock. Okay. Work with me. First shelter. Next tent. Next rock. You see the progress? You see the progress? Immediate trouble. Solutions. Get you into his tent. 
more protection, more presence, dwelling with you, walking with you through that situation, and finally lift you up, place you on a rock. There is a constant move towards making you more assured, more stronger, more successful. He will hide me, he will conceal me, he will lift me. Shelter, tent, rock. God's truth dispels anxiety. God's truth dispels uncertainty. That's another big one. Uncertainty. Oh my gosh. If only I knew. If only I knew what tomorrow holds. If only I knew what next week is in store. What's the next five years going to be? Many of us are transitioning right now. For some of you, just the next week is up for grabs. The next one year, you don't know what it's going to be like. You are so uncertain about the future. But you don't have to fear. Because uncertainty and fear don't need to go together. God's word takes care of that. God's word dispels uncertainty. Psalm 46 verse 1, 2 and 3. God is my refuge. God is our strength. Refuge and strength. Now you tell me, why would God give you those kind of pictures? Why would, is this just fancy stuff? Is this just like, oh, so sweet, let's all just live in this false sense of there's some power out there. No, 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 no. This is a lot more aggressive than that. A lot more, but Jesus didn't shed his blood for God to just watch over you. Jesus didn't go to the cross to impress the angels. There is a plan. There is a big long-term plan of which you are occupying 80 years. Over years and years and decades and generations, you are occupying 80 to 90 years of God's eternal plan. God has you right in the center of his will. God is our refuge. Look at the language. God is our strength. Look at the language. A very present help in trouble, which means you're going to be in trouble. You're going to see trouble. You're going to face trouble. But he, God is going to be there with you in the trouble. And God is a master of trouble because his kids have been getting him into trouble from day one. God is a refuge and he's a strength. Now, so what? So what? Verse 2. Therefore, come on, say it. Therefore, we will not fear. You see how it's always coming back to fear? God, God knows. Because God knows that fear is your rooted problem. The rooted problem. Not scared. Scared is not fear. Oh, I know all of you are tough. Yeah, you all look tough also. Especially during worship. <laughs> but fear is an innate disbelief that everything's going to be okay. Fear is something deep within you that fears that something is not going to support you. Something is not going to or things will not pan out in your direction. This is because we think God isn't on the throne. Therefore, we will not fear. And then he gives you some examples. He says, though the earth gives way, <laughs> though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble in its swelling at its base, no matter what happens. What is, what is the psalmist saying here? He says, if the earth shakes under me, if the earth shakes under me, God will be the one who lifts me up until the earth stops shaking. And then he'll set me down on a rock. Lift me up. Set me down on a rock. That means my anchorage is not beneath me. My anchorage is above me. My anchorage is not beneath me. My anchorage is above me. Like a trapeze artist. 
like an athlete. When the earth shakes, you just grab a hold and you swing right through and he lands you on a rock. That is the life of a believer. It's not a sad, you know, defeated sort of pray to God, pray to God, all will be well. You know, let, let you know, only now we, all we can do is pray. That's a very pathetic, watered down sort of, I really don't know Jesus, but I'd like to faith. Anyone who really knows Jesus is absolutely cockeyed sure of who they are, where they are going, and why they are going through what they are going through. Anyone who walks close to God knows that no matter what I can't see, God can see it. So I don't have to worry. Truth dispels uncertainty. Truth dispels our weakness. God's truth dispels our weakness. Now we're going to get close to home. We're going to get close to home. Psalmist says in 73 and 26, My flesh and my heart may fail. Okay? So the psalmist is a king. The psalmist is a warrior. The psalmist has slain tens of thousands of people. The psalmist is one of the greatest kings and the greatest warriors of his time. And he says as he grows older and older, My flesh and my strength, they may fail. See, here's the thing. Young people... You get worried a little bit when, you know, you, you get a cold or you get a cough or you get sick or you get worried that you will lose your sight or lose your strength or lose your ability to, to pursue your dreams. But no matter what, dream or no dream, when you're halfway through life, when you cross 35, which is the new 95, when you cross 35, when you cross 40, your body becomes a music machine. And you start hearing beats and sounds and hums and rhythms which you were not meant to come out of your body. Okay? From getting up from your bed itself, your knees are talking to each other, your heart is beating harder, you're breathless and you only climb two stairs. You just climb two stairs and your heart is always like, calm down already, calm down. Okay? When you go past 40, when you go past 40, I want to tell you, young people, the second, eh, I want to tell all of you, why not? The second half of your life, after 35, 40, is going to be lived in physical weakness. It's going to be lived in physical weakness. Your body will become weak. You can't get out of the car and fight anymore. You won't be able to flex your muscles and give those people the stare that you once gave. Because you knew you could back up that stare. If ever it came to that. Now you just avoid. Because you don't want to conflict. You don't want to confront. Post 35, post 40. The second half of your life will be lived in physical weakness. And God forbid. But you may even have. I'm taking this off. God forbid you may even have ailments. And today's day and age, something or other is going to, either sugar or, you know, something or the other, hypo this, hypo the hyper that, something or the other is going to happen and you're going, to, and the older you get on the outside, the younger you should get on the inside. Older people should be wiser. Older should be more, older people should be more faithful. Older people should show younger people where real strength comes from. The older you get, the more calmer and cool and collected you should be. 
because our trust is not in our muscles our trust is not in our finances our trust our trust is in god so he says he says my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart where is the strength need to be in the muscles or in the heart you see what i'm saying when your heart is strong you can show courage but when your muscles are strong you can show stupidity hai na your heart is where the action is the heart is where the war is won my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion so jump to second corinthians we do not lose what there you go we do not lose heart though our outer self this i this is interesting very true for some of us though our outer self is what ah yes saw the mirror this morning yeah there you go and our inner self hallelujah is being renewed every day let me tell you why god wants you to waste away let me tell you why god wants you to waste away let me tell you why god has made you 50% weak and old because god wants you to yearn for the glorified body that he is bringing your way when jesus comes he wants you to not hope in this life alone he wants you to look and dream about that perfect body that is coming the one 1 corinthians 15 talks about where you will not see death you will not see wrinkles you will not see tears god is preparing a body a an habitation for you for to live with him forever and ever 80 years will be gone like that last 30 years went like that and the next 30 years are going to go in the same speed and it's going to be just as fast and your life will be over in a blink your life is nothing it's not worth the worship you give it Your life is not worth the worship you give it. Your face, your body, your attraction, your purposes, your indulgences are not worth the worship you give it. Heaven is worth the worship. So God wants you to waste away on the outside while you become new on the inside and in that moment when the trumpet call, uh, sounds and Jesus calls your name and it will happen. Your body will fall to the ground like a bunch of chemicals like dust back to where it belongs and your spirit is going to go get what he's given you for eternity and you will be with him forever and ever and ever where moth do not rust does not decay i'm going to prepare a place for you and if i go i will come back and take you to be where i am so that you can be with me forever in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i wouldn't bother telling you i'm going to prepare a place for you nay nay i want to be here only I'm going to prepare a better place. This is good. Or just give me green card. People. God's truth dispels our weaknesses. And then lastly, God's truth dispels unbelief in prayer. Prayer is how you know how much faith is in your life. Prayer is how how much you know uh, talking is how you, how much you know you love a person or 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 or, or, or want to live with a person the more you talk to that person the more you want that person in your life i'm going to repeat the more you talk to a person the more you want that person in your life communication is everything hey you've been texting him a lot lately hey you've been texting her a lot yeah well i want that person more in my life if i'm praying more it's because i want god more in my life and if i'm praying more it's because i want more faith prayer gives me more faith more faith makes me pray more but what is the thing about faith what is the thing about prayer 1 john chapter 5 verse 14 says this and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask something 
Come on, correct me. Anything. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. Now you're telling me, Pastor Jeremy, that's where my biggest doubts are in the arena of prayer. I don't see God answering my prayers too much. I haven't seen God go to work. He doesn't seem to answer my prayer. I'm not quite going with you on this one. Prayer is a difficult thing for me. I don't talk to God. It's been a long time. He doesn't answer me. Let me give you a hint. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 11 years old. I became a Christian when I was 11 years old. And when I was 17, I committed my, my life to serve him uh, with everything that I have and everything that I am. In that last 33 or 37 years, this is what I have learned about prayer. And I began to pray at the age of five. My mother taught me how to pray. When I learned to pray, and I've been praying for all these years, this is what I found. If you, and I'm giving you some advice, this is free, like everything else. If you want to develop a faith in prayer, begin by praying for a few weeks, only about the things that God wants, okay? According to his will, according to his will. So you learn the will of God and pray the will of God in your life. It's going to be hurtful, difficult. You may not like all the answers, but you'll start seeing God go to work. Now, when you pray 10 things or 10 times for God to go to work, according to his will, God will answer and you'll become a student of how God works, when God works, how quickly God works, and how powerfully God works. And then you'll become a believer in prayer because prayer does work. Are you with me so far? So far? Then once you have prayed according to his will and it has pleased him and he has then answered your prayer, you can then begin to pray according to your will because you are a child and you can ask daddy for anything. You can. Because children, they come to their father with full assurance. They don't even think about what they're asking for. And they just ask. And they have every, every confidence that dad is going to move heaven and earth and give it to me. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? It comes in the faith of not the prayer, but daddy. Are you with me? So when you trust, you need to trust the person. So first you need to get to know the person. So when you pray according to his will and he answers, you get to know the person. Now you can ask this person anything. Does that make sense? 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 says this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 1 John chapter 3, 21 and 22 says this. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, that means we know we haven't done anything wrong. We have confidence before God. See, when you're having guilt and you're entertaining sin in your life, it is an automatic thing that you will stop talking to God. Why? Because he'll ignore what you're saying and start talking about your sin. That's what he's going to do. Or that's what you think he's going to do. Because everybody around you is like that. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever, say it, say it, we ask, we receive from him so this is a God who really wants to answer this is a God who just wants to impress you with how much he is connected with your life and knows what you need this is a God who doesn't want you to go away disappointed he's a father who loves you he says because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him he is out to show you that he can please you 
So as you scan scripture, there's just tons and tons of truth to dispel the problems in your life. Your identity issues, doubts, God speaks into that. God speaks into your future. God speaks into your significance, speaks into your provision, speaks into your children's lives. No matter what area you're struggling with doubt, the word of God is there. Now listen to me. If you don't know the scriptures, if you don't know where to look, version, the, the, the Bible app I have been pushing on you and I've been trying to get you to start your plans. Look, for, there are 10,000 plans. Look for a plan that talks about doubt, talks about marriage or talks about looking for a life partner, talks about whatever the area is in your life that you're struggling with, there's a plan for it. It puts all those scriptures together, six days, seven days, 21 days. Read that, strengthen, assurance assurance fill your heart with assurance fuel yourself with the right fuel and you will see doubt flee and doubt once gone will make you confident doubt doesn't make you a bad person doubt doesn't make you a bad person but it should make you a hungry person for the truth for assurance how does god deal with doubters do you remember thomas the first malayali the prototype. He was Malayali before he came to Kerala. There's a little tribute to my grandfather there. I don't even know what was going through this fellow's brain. Where he's telling the disciples, who think he's an idiot, he says, until... Until I put my finger, why would you want to do that? Until I put my finger in the, and he saw the whole movie. Like live, he saw it happen. So he knows there's a hole there. And he knows there's a hole in the side for Jesus. He said, until I put my finger through it. And until I put it in his side. Then he muttered something in Malayalam, I didn't get that. So you know what Jesus did? Do you know what Jesus did? He showed up and the first person, he said, Thomas? And he came trembling back to Jesus. He says, finger you've got, is it? That's going to be your faith? Yeah, faith by finger? Okay, go for it. And he falls on his knees. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. See, God doesn't have a problem with your doubts. You have a problem with your doubts. But your, doubt, your doubts are, are keeping you from coming to the God who doesn't have a problem with your doubts. And when God, you come to God, he deals gently with even a Thomas that has seen everything and heard everything and still doesn't want to believe. Apparently he did believe and he came all the way to India and much of what we've seen 2,000 years ago is because of what he brought here. The disciples had an interesting situation. I'm going to not be very long, just two, two, three minutes. I'm almost done. Disciples had a very interesting situation. A man came to them and the, his little boy was demon-possessed. This is what happened. It's a stu story. It happened. And the disciples came and they were trying to do a little deliverance ministry. Okay? And it didn't work. 
So this, this guy is all perplexed. They're standing there. It's not working. We don't know what happens. So the father goes to Jesus and says, this is what my son is doing. He says, how long has he has? He's having a long time. He throws himself in the fire, throws himself in the, in the water. He's trying to commit, him, commit suicide. He's very, you know, he hurts himself. It's been going on for a long time. He gives him the whole case review. And Jesus says, uh, get out. And he gets out of there. And the disciples are like, what happened? Why were we not able get this guy free from the demon and then Jesus says some of these come out only by fasting and prayer now I don't want to give you the whole story but Jesus says some of these but you have to believe you have to believe you have to trust he has where is your faith where is your faith some of these things come out only by faith and sorry fasting and prayer now what is fasting and prayer prayer is demolishing in the spirit realm. Prayer is victory in the spirit realm. And fasting is victory in the physical realm. If you're butchering, if you're, you're just winning, if you're victorious in the spirit realm, and your prayer life is amazing, but you're not able to get over a habit, you're not able to get over a relationship, you're not able to get an emotional bondage, and in the flesh you are absolutely getting you know, beat up, you are not going to be able to win. Because life is both the spiritual and the physical realm together. You can't just live your life in the physical and, and completely ignore a reality of God and everything about his purposes and his meaning for your life. So he talks about fasting and prayer and he says you've got to win on both counts. Point, how does God deal with people at their point of belief? For the guy who had a son, he says, Lord, I want to believe, help my unbelief. Most beautiful prayer. Lord, I want to believe. I want to come back to you, but I'm struggling. Lord, I want to be more committed, but I'm not. Lord, I want to be close to you, but I'm not. I, Lord, help my unbelief. Beautiful prayer. He prays that prayer. So for Thomas, he dealt with him at his point. At this man, the father, he dealt with him at this point. At the disciples, he dealt with them at another level, but at their point. Are you getting where I'm going with this? God is so loving and gentle and caring that when you come to him with his doubts, he replaces your doubts with assurance. He replaces your doubt with assurance. So prayer is an indicator. You got, you got to pray in his name. He's given you access. Pray in his name. People have butchered this. They have butchered this. They don't know how to pray. And that just shows what a mess their faith life is. They want to take all the possible names in heaven. Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and pull in Gabriel and, and Michael and Uncle Thomas also. Everybody in heaven come because I want this prayer. That's not how it works. God says, you pray to the Father. You come to the Father in the name. That's the chabi, that's the key, that's the access, that's the secret, that's the weapon. You come in his name by the power of the and leading of the Holy Spirit. You don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You don't pray to Jesus. You pray to God the Father. God the Father is the one who gives you what you want on the basis of your allegiance to Christ. On the way he pleases you, you please him according to Christ. So Jesus is the way. Hitherto you have you asked nothing in my name. Ask in my name that you may receive, that your joy may be full. Don't pray to Jesus, pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Is this a formula? Is this a secret formula? If I pray like this, all my prayers will get answered? No. But you don't have to bring in the Trinity and the angels and everybody who's gone before you just for your prayer. Prayer shows that you know the access to God. 
prayer knows, shows that you talking to your father in the name of Jesus. That means you've got the chabi to heaven. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that means you've got the right prayer. The Spirit of God is leading you through the right prayer. So don't mix that up. Pray in my name, in the name of Jesus. Pray about anything. Pray without ceasing. Pray about anything. Pray without ceasing. My friends, we all struggle with doubt. Are you ready to close? We all struggle with doubt. We all struggle with doubt. But for every fear, there is a fear not. For every storm, there is a shelter. For every earthquake, there is a rock. For every enemy, there is a weapon. For every demon, there are two angels. Your faith moves the mountains that your doubts create. Your faith moves the very mountains that your doubts create. Trust in the Lord and don't despair. He is a friend so true to you. No matter what your troubles are, Jesus will see you through. Sing when the day is bright. Even sing when the, it's dark as night. Every day, all the way, let us Thank you, Lord, for this encouraging message. Thank you for the way you deal with doubters, because we are all doubters. Thank you for the way you assure us, because we are all in need of assurance. Thank you for the way you understand how we perceive you and perceive lies and perceive defeat and perceive betrayal and how we need healing and how we... No matter how much pain we have seen, there is hope in Christ. When he is with me, what can I fear that man can do to me? Father, I cannot pray for everyone here this today by word. So I ask that as they, just their heart reaches out to you. Some are saying, who are you? I want to know you better. Some are saying, I'm encouraged right now, but I don't know what the next step is. Some are saying, I've been running from you too long. I need to come back. Some are just saying, I'm sorry for being such a doubter. I'm sorry for just constantly doubting. I've just been making excuses. I, I, I need to free fall into your goodness. Believe that you're a good God. Believe that you have a plan. Believe that you will see me through. Some of us are praying out of a pity party that we've been having. Oh, we're just not able to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Not able to believe what has happened to us or that it could happen to us. So many of us struggle with that, Lord. Some are saying, I want to read your word more. If this is the season, if this is the reason, if this is, this is the secret, I want to read your word more. Lord, give them a good start and give them 
impetus give them momentum let it let them not stop for days until it becomes a habit thank you father for hearing and answering our prayer in jesus name i pray amen letting go of every single dream i'll lay each one down at your Just in you.